0: The story.
1: He was circling over and over and I thought, Lord, just be with that pilot as he tries to land. And all of a sudden, bang, he'd gone into the side of the mountain and the nurse they ran up the mountain and they were able to get the pilot and while I was caring for him there was another missionary got on the radio to tell that we had this pilot who was badly injured.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, once again, Emily Ward is joining us to tell more of her extraordinary story. Emily is the author of the book Gracious Survival, The Lord's Nurse, Glasgow, Sydney and Tekin. Last time we heard how she grew up in a poor family in Glasgow and was evacuated during the Second World War to rural Scotland. Also, we heard that despite repeated bouts of tuberculosis in her young adult years, She survived and was able to fulfill her dream of becoming a nurse. Today, we'll hear more about her experiences as a nurse and how she eventually fulfills her dream of becoming a missionary. All that and more is coming up as Emily Ward continues her chat with Eric Scatterbo from her home in the western suburbs of Sydney.
2: You believe that everything you went through as far as your health challenges with tuberculosis, that all that helped you to become a better nurse because you could be more sympathetic to your patients.
1: Exactly, and I believe that God trained me by having this illness Mm -hmm. and understanding what it meant to be lying in a bed in a hospital. So it was all part of my training, Mm -hmm. and of course all the time off was my part of training in God in my Bible study Mm -hmm. and prayer. And all the time that young minister was a great influence in my life. Mm-hmm. He started me reading books. I had never read a book, so he chose all the books for me, and I started reading and I got to like reading and um, all that helped my English and and all the other things in my life. And so I settled down to 10 years working in a little infectious diseases hospital. I was very content. Mm-hmm. I was loving my work. I was very active in my church, and I loved the Lord.
2: And because you were so empathetic with your patients, you would actually hold their hand through pain that they were going through.
1: Oh, yes. I remember an old man was admitted, and he was filthy. He had been taken off the street. He was very dirty. He was full of lice all over his body and all through his beard. And the nursing staff were kind of, oh, the smell, you know. Yeah. And I remember going up to that old man and holding his hand and whispering in his ear. And I said, don't worry, I care for you. And I remember helping getting him washed and bathed and cleaned up Mm. and put in between lovely white clean sheets. And I would go when I could. And whisper in his ear, God loves you. Mm. You'll be all right. And he never responded. He didn't have any relatives. He was all alone. And I just committed him to the Lord. Mm. There are things like that I remember. I can't remember them all, but they stand out. Mm -hmm. I felt that every living man and woman is precious in the sight of God. Amen. They are made in His image. We should never, ever look down on anybody.
2: Mm-hmm. And there was another time you were holding, or you thought you were holding, a patient's hand?
1: Oh, no, that's funny.
2: <laughs> Tell us about that.
1: In my being a midwife, I was training, and we had this lady who was having difficulty in her delivery. Mm-hmm. And I always like to encourage them, and I like to hold their hand. Mm-hmm. And we had to call the obstetrician and two young doctors, trainees, and we were all around her bed, and she was covered with a sheet. And as the pains would come, I put my hand under the sheet and I held her hand. And every time a pain would come, I would squeeze her hand mm-hmm. just to let her know I was there. Mm-hmm and that I cared. And after it was all over, which took quite a wee while, Mm -hmm. and a lovely newborn baby, when they removed the sheet from the lady, there I was holding one of the young doctor's hands. (laughs) It caused a lot of laughter, (laughs) but I was very embarrassed.
2: Your intentions were good.
1: I hope he didn't think I was squeezing his hand <laughs> intentionally. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Apparently, he didn't mind it anyway.
1: No, no, no. These things happen.
2: Yes, yeah, so that was your time as a nurse in Scotland. Let's find out about how you came to Australia.
1: Well, all the family had married.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And my older brother had died at 32. Mm-hmm. My father had died.
2: Uh, Both of them from tuberculosis? Yes. Mm.
1: So what happened was there was only my mother and I left. Mm -hmm. And we decided that we would visit some of my sisters in Australia. Mm -hmm. But my sister in America, we had already visited her. So we, we made plans to visit Australia to visit my family. Anyway, before we got to doing that, my mother died. My mother Mm. had had tuberculosis too. Mm. She had been in hospital and had a lung removed. Mm -hmm. She had lived through all that for many years, but now she died with a stroke. Mm. I was left alone in the house where ten of us used to be.
2: Wow, all by yourself.
1: Yes, I never married Mm -hmm. and I've got a whole chapter on singleness in the book. But I won't go into that here because I want to say that I didn't know what to do, whether to still go to Australia. To me, Australia was the ends of the earth. (laughs) Why would I want to leave Scotland? (laughs) And anyway, I felt one day I was doing my dishes and I felt God was speaking to me and saying, yes, you're going to go to Australia. My physician was very good. He arranged with the embassy that all my entries and and results and everything went and I was accepted into Australia. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. So that was how I got in Mm -hmm. and I got a job in the children's hospital and I was there for about two or three years.
2: But you always had that desire deep in your heart to become a missionary.
1: Yeah, but I'd put it out of my mind at this stage and then one day, there was a notice in our church saying that there was a group going to Irian mm-hmm. and anybody who would like to go get in touch with the office. Mm-hmm. So I did. I got in touch with the office and I said, could I go on that tour? And when they heard that I was 44, they said, oh no, it's only young people mm-hmm. we're taking. Anyway, about... Five weeks or six weeks later, I got a call from the office saying, Do you still want to go to Irian Jaya? I said, Oh yes. They said, Well we're going to accept you. Wow. So I met the rest of the team in Sydney at the airport. The youngest was eighteen mm-hmm. and the oldest was twenty two and then there was me. Oh wow. So we went to Irian Jaya and we trekked through the mountains, Mm -hmm. and I trekked better than (laughs) all the young people. Oh, wow. Because I used to go hill climbing in Scotland. Yeah. But remember, I had only one lug functioning properly. wow. But I did it all, and we helped. There was a doctor, a young trainee doctor, and two trainee nurses, and uh, we all helped with the medical work in Irine Shire. But it was an eye opener. That was. Yeah. And when, it, when I was there, I felt, you know, Emily, God can still use you, mm-hmm. even at your age, if you want to be a missionary. And that was what started it. When I came home, I applied to the Australian Baptist Missionary Society, mm-hmm. who had taken us on this tour. To cut a long story short, I was accepted and I found myself in Papua New Guinea and in a very isolated place. The only way in and out was by small light aircraft.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Or you had to climb mountain upon mountain. Oh, wow. So I managed to get there. It was a very small airstrip. When you landed, the airstrip went up the way and at the end of it there was a mountain, and when you were taking off, you went down the way and all oh, right up into the air. Oh wow, It was thrilling What dangerous. <laughs> anyway I started medical work there.
0: You're listening to the story. Our guest today is once again Emily Ward, who's the author of the book Gracious Survival the Lord's Nurse, Glasgow, Sydney and Tekin. Today we're hearing more of Emily's extraordinary life journey from Scotland to Australia. And as we just heard, she fulfilled her dream of becoming a missionary. Next, we'll hear about some incredible experiences she had as a missionary nurse in a remote part of Papua New Guinea when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. We're back with more of Emily Ward sharing her life journey that started in Scotland. And next, we're going to hear about her time as a missionary nurse in a remote part of Papua New Guinea that was only accessible by aeroplane. As we'll hear, Emily had some extraordinary experiences while serving the Lord there.
2: So, your lifelong dream... To become a missionary finally came true in your forties. Tell us about some of the experiences that you had in PNG.
1: I went trekking a lot because I had to go to villages. We had six hundred children under five year olds scattered throughout these villages mm-hmm. who needed vaccinations and care and pregnant women, and uh, there was no doctor. There was no way in and out apart from a small light aircraft. And I had lots of experience in dealing with emergencies mm-hmm. and getting onto MEF. MEF was Missionary Aviation Fellowship. Mm-hmm. They could fly in in daylight hours. Mm-hmm. But after four or five o'clock, they could not come in. You had to deal with them mm. until the next day. And there are many stories that I could tell you about that. But there was one day I got a lady in and she was suffering from malaria. And she was in labour. And I already, I had a room for the labour ladies and with one bed. And I had a a lady already on the bed. So I had to get her off the bed and on the floor
3: Hmm.
1: and get this sick lady on the bed. And when I delivered the it was twins. Mm. I delivered the twins, and they were tiny wee babies. And we wrapped them up, but the woman was too ill to have them on her bosom. Mm. So we put them in a cardboard box with a hot water bottle. Mm-hmm. And then we took her off the bed onto the floor, a mattress, because the other lady was in labour and got her on the bed. Oh, wow. And the lady that was so sick, I had her on a drip. And then we delivered her. But to cut a long story short, we delivered five that night.
2: Oh, my goodness.
1: Five babies, and I've got a beautiful picture of them all.
2: Was there a doctor there, or were you by yourself?
1: No, no doctor. Just you? Yeah. Oh, wow. Me, and I had four nurse aides. Mm -hmm. They had minimal, basic training in Papua New Guinea. So I had to have help. Hmm. But this lady with the twins, they were tiny wee babies, and when we treated her for her malaria and got her settled, the little babies, we put them on her breasts, and they survived.
2: Oh, fantastic.
1: No incubators. Mm-hmm. Nothing. A hot water bottle. She came back and saw us months later, Mm -hmm. and they were doing well, these tiny wee babies. Mm -hmm. And there's so many stories I can tell you. I can't bring them all to mind.
2: And you mentioned Mission Aviation Fellowship before. Tell us the story about the pilot.
1: Missionary Aviation, well, um, they're the the people that came in and took us over the mountains to, the ones that we couldn't walk to. Mm -hmm. And they took us over the mountains to do clinics and one day we were, I wasn't very well and I had to fly over and I thought I'll get one of the other nurses to do it, I don't feel well Mm -hmm. and the EBF pilot was there and we could hear him circling above they came from Weewark which is on the coast and they would fly into these very remote areas and he was Circling over and over, and I thought, Lord, just be with that pilot as he mm-hmm. tries to land.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, all of a sudden, bang, he'd gone into the side of the mountain. Mm. And the nurses, two male nurses, they ran up the mountain and they were able to get the pilot out because he was upside down but still strapped in. Mm-hmm. So they cut the the belts Mm -hmm. off him and um, they got him out unconscious and they managed to get a stretcher up there, just a couple of boards and canvas and they carried him down to the clinic where I was waiting. Mm -hmm. I'd got things ready for an emergency. When he came in, he was unconscious. We put him on the labour bed, the only bed we had in that room. Mm -hmm. And um, he had a very bad leg injury. He had one above his eye, and um, he was in pain. Although he wasn't conscious, we knew the way he was acting. But anyway, I stabilised his leg, and we gave him an injection. And while I was caring for him, there was another missionary got on the radio to tell that we had this pilot who was badly injured. Anyway, during that time, a Tali, it was a Papua New Guinean aircraft, mm-hmm. landed in our strip, and we weren't expecting anybody. Oh. And the thing was, they, they told him about the pilot down in the labor room, and he said, I'll take him. Mm-hmm. And he took him away to Up teddy where there were two doctors and we were so relieved, I thank yeah. God, Oh, fantastic. and we got him in. And mm-hmm. when he got to up to Teddy, the doctors managed to stabilize him, and then they sent him to Australia. Now, just to let you know that his name was Ross Fraser, mm-hmm. and he is now a Presbyterian minister oh. in WA. Oh, wow. But there was a lot of other things happened. And, and
2: you eventually met him?
1: Yeah, 20 years later, I I was visiting WA, mm-hmm. and I met Ross, because we didn't know one another. Mm-hmm. And um, we had a lovely time together, and he really wanted to didn't know exactly what happened, because he couldn't remember yeah. anything.
2: Wow, so you got to tell him how he survived that plane crash.
1: Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, there were other times that things didn't go too well.
2: Well, unfortunately, we're running out of time, but we want to get to some more adventures because after 12 years of serving in P&G, you decided to come back to Australia and serve with the Salvation Army, mostly with drug addicts. Please tell yes. us about that.
1: Well, I felt I needed another job, but I didn't know what God would have me do.
2: Do you ever take a holiday?
1: Not often. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'll just very, very briefly tell you Mm -hmm. I got this job in the Salvation Army and it was looking after drug addicts Mm -hmm. and I was responsible for taking their bloods and getting their bloods off and detoxing Mm -hmm. and all that but it it was a good job and I enjoyed it but it wasn't always nice Mm. I admitted one lady and she didn't seem too bad and, and got us settled and everything. And, mm-hmm. But that same night, she managed to get out of a window in the top floor mm. and jump, killed herself. Mm. And one day when I was going to my work, when I was getting a train down, a man in front of me went on the rails mm. and he was run over by the train. He committed suicide, and I, I was devastated because I called on him to get off. There was mm. a train coming, but he just lay flat over the rails. Mm. And um, so I had these things that happened. But yeah. there was a lot of wonderful things happened. And when I worked with them for three years, and then I retired. And after I retired, I went to Kazakhstan
2: you know, Emily, a lot of people, when they retire, they go to Hawaii on holiday, but you decided <laughs> to serve the Lord in Kazakhstan. <laughs> Tell us about that.
1: Oh, well, we, I went uh, with a group, and um, it was an amazing experience. And then after that, I went to the Philippines, mm-hmm. and I was ill then, and uh, I couldn't do the work with the doctor. We were going to do some work in remote areas and... And then when I left that, I became very involved in my church. Mm -hmm. And I took over Bible study groups. I always went to the prayer meeting. Mm -hmm. I never missed it. And then when I was 84, I took ovarian cancer.
3: Hmm.
1: And I had major surgery. Mm -hmm. And um, I had chemotherapy. And uh, I got through that fine.
2: Wow. You are a survivor.
1: I got through it really well, and it's, I, I think it was about five years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm still doing okay.
2: Fantastic.
3: And I'm
1: still busy. So that's it in a nutshell. Yeah,
2: cake. yeah, and you're still <laughs> leading Bible studies, and sometimes oh, yes. online. Yes. So you're still praying for people, ministering to people, leading yes. younger ladies, and studying yes. the Bible? Yes, and I,
1: I'm a pastoral carer for mm-hmm. six people that I keep in touch with. Mm. Our church is very good at looking after the people, and we've got a number of pastoral carers, mm-hmm. so that everybody in the church is cared for. hmm
2: And it sounds like, throughout your whole life, you just have a heart for caring for people.
1: Oh, yes. I don't like to be boastful or anything, because it's all of God, isn't mm. it? I want Him to get the glory, not me. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, let's conclude with your advice for anybody else who's listening today and wants to decide whether or not they should put their faith and trust in the Lord to help them overcome numerous challenges. What would you say to them?
1: Well, I would say that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea. He is powerful. He is in control of this world. Don't think for a minute that those nations who think they'll take over everything will because they won't. God does. Mm -hmm. God gave himself in Christ to save the world. How can we refuse his salvation? Mm -hmm. And if we come to Christ, believe in him, his death, Mm -hmm. his resurrection, and he's in heaven with the Father praying for us, Believe in Him, and your life will change. I know it because I've experienced it.
2: Amen. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us today.
1: Okay.
0: Well, that was part two of Eric Scadabo's conversation with Emily Ward, the author of the book Gracious Survival, The Lord's Nurse... Glasgow, Sydney, and Tekken. To find out more about her book, you can go to her publisher's website and look up Gracious Survival by Emily C. Ward. The website is edabooks.wordpress.com. That's Ida, E-I-D-E-R, books.wordpress.com. Well, it was wonderful to hear how God worked in Emily's life over the years. She's gone from growing up in a poor family in Scotland and having poor health to eventually winning prizes as a nurse and serving on the mission field in some extraordinary circumstances. Also, she shared that before she became a Christian, she felt a bit inferior because of her poor education growing up. But when she put her faith in the Lord, she began to change and she knew God had a plan for her. The Lord placed in her heart a desire to be a missionary, which eventually came to fulfillment when she was in her 40s. Emily's life journey reminds me of what it says in the book of Psalms, "'Trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart.'" As we heard, that was certainly the case in Emily's life. The Lord gave her the desires of her heart after placing many of those desires in her heart. The result has been a very fulfilling life that continues to this day as she loves to pray with and teach the Bible to younger ladies. She's a great example for all of us. Well, thanks for joining us for part two of Emily Ward's Remarkable Story. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax encouraging you to share your story with someone today.